Lord, we come to you this morning and we thank you for continually leading us through your word, the Old Testament, through your leaders, through your prophets, into the New Testament, about Jesus, his life, his ministry, his death, his resurrection. And now, Lord, we continue on as we are learning about Paul and his travels. Lord, continue to teach us and help us to be aware of of what you have for us to know and to learn and how you are calling us. And so we give you thanks in the name of Christ. Amen. One of the most important things that we can do in life is choose that right path, to go down that good and right path so that we are are doing what God calls us to do. But sometimes people make a wrong turn and they don't end up on that right path. Let me show you a few examples. Got there, but that is not the right path. Or how about this one? I think she's wondering how she got there too, huh? Or maybe this one. You know, you think, I can make it, I can make it, and no, didn't make it. Or how about this one? I still am baffled by this one. Sometimes we just do not go down that right path, do we? Well, this morning, We're going to look at the story, chapter 29. We're almost to the end. There's 31 chapters in the story. We're in chapter 29. We have made our way through the Old Testament, and now uh, we've learned about Paul, Saul becoming Paul, and now we're going to learn about his journeys and his writing of letters. We're going to see how Paul is filled with the Spirit and how he is called by God to go down that right path to fulfill the mission that God has for him. God gives us a passion. Especially when we receive Jesus as our Savior and Lord, he gives us this passion to do his will, this passion to do what he calls us to do. When we don't follow our passion, then we're going to feel like life is a drudgery. We're going to feel like life has no meaning and no purpose. We're going to go from one job to another, from one relationship to another, from one city to another, and we're going to be walking around aimless, not understanding our purpose or knowing what God has for us to do. Not long after I became a Christian, I realized that I was only happy when I was doing what God wanted me to do. It's still true today. And so when I do my own thing, when I follow my own selfish way, I'm not happy. I'm only happy when I'm doing God's will. I'm only happy when I know that I'm making a difference for the Lord. I'm only happy when I'm seeking to grow in my relationship with God and understand his will for my life and walk in that will. Last week, we talked about Saul's conversion. We talked about how he was a Pharisee. He encountered Jesus, and he became a believer, and then his name was changed from Saul to Paul, to represent this new life that he had in Christ. His name was changed, and his call was changed. We read in Acts 9, 15 to 17, whenever you see yellow or underlined parts, please read with me those parts. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine, to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. So Ananias departed and entered the house, and laying his hands on him, on on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road by which you came, 
has sent me, you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And so Paul is filled with the Holy Spirit, and he has a new mission. He has a new call. The call is to go to the Gentiles and to preach about Jesus. He is filled with the Spirit to do this. He is given the passion and the desire to do this, and he will not be happy unless he does this. And if you've read any of the readings of Paul, you know that this was his goal. This was what made him happy. This was what his mission was, and he was dedicated to it. For much of his life, Saul had been a Pharisee, a religious leader. His passion had been to teach the law. And then he had a new passion, a new ministry, and that was a new mission, and that was to persecute Christians. But then he met Jesus, and his name was changed, and he received that call from God to go to the people whom God had called him, to tell them about Jesus Christ, to tell all who did not know Jesus about Jesus. Now, this was challenging for Paul because, first of all, people were afraid of him. He had been killing and persecuting Christians, so you can only imagine that when they saw him, they were afraid. And at first, they probably didn't even trust his message. They thought, maybe he's trying to trick them or something. So that was his first challenge. The second challenge is much as it is today, where people were comfortable with their beliefs, and they did not want to change their way of thinking, their way of worshiping, especially if a foreigner was telling them something. And so Paul had a very challenging mission, but he was filled with the Spirit, and he was empowered by God to fulfill this call. Now, I've told you before about my call, but just for the sake of this uh, talk this morning, I'd like to just refresh your memory again. So when I was uh, 15, up to that point, I had not followed the Lord. I had followed my own selfish ways. I didn't really care about other people, but then I met Jesus Christ, and he became my Savior. And I did this because my friend invited me to church, and my friend prayed for me to become a Christian. And after much prayer and much going to church, I finally asked Jesus to be my Savior and Lord. And Jesus came into my life and transformed me. As Kelly read our scripture this morning in Philippians, or Romans 12, 1-2, where it says that we are to be transformed by the renewing of our mind, transformed by the very Spirit of God, and God transformed my life. And I realized what God had done for me, and I wanted that for other people. And so my mission became to, to share Jesus with other people. Do you want that? Do you want other people to know Jesus? God has a mission for you. Well, we see an interesting thing happen next, though. If you're reading in the scriptures, you're reading in the story, you notice that when Paul went from city to city, his charge was to go to the Gentiles, but he would first go to the synagogue where the Jews were. That's where he would go first to preach about Jesus. He would go to the synagogue first, and he would go there and he would tell them about Jesus. We read in Acts 13, 4-5, so being sent out by the Holy Spirit, Paul and his companions, they went down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. When they arrived at Salamis, 
they proclaimed the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. So he started first at the synagogue, which was the natural platform to proclaim the gospel of Jesus to the Jews and to the Greeks who are God-fearers. Professor of New Testament John Polhill says this, if one wished to make contact with the Jewish community in a town, the synagogue was the natural place to begin. It was also the natural place to begin if one wished to share the Christian message. And so wanting to share about Christ, Paul went to the synagogue. As Jesus was expected Jewish Messiah, it was natural to share him with the Jews first. And we see in the book of Acts that this is the natural place where they go. They go to a town, they go to a city, and they go to the synagogue. Today, our modern missionaries see it as an obligation to evangelize the religious people first in any location. This would be equivalent then going to the synagogue in a city, that you go to the religious people first and you share the message with them. And then, in a way, you kind of get a name for yourself as, as someone who is an important speaker. Well, a little further down in Acts, we see a very interesting story. There's a story of a sorcerer who was also a prophet. Now, he was a false prophet, but he was a sorcerer and a prophet. And being a false prophet, he was getting a lot of people to listen to him and and to follow him. His name was Bar-Jesus. And he had some other influential people around him. And they heard about Paul and his companions Companions, And so they, they asked Paul and Barnabas to come and to speak to them. Now, I don't think they expected to hear this, but this is what Paul said when he came, Acts 13, 9-12. But Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, now that's important, that phrase right there, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him and said, you son of the devil. Now, do you, I don't think he expected him to start with that, right? You son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, full of all deceit and villainy, will you not stop making crooked the straight paths of the Lord? And now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon you, and you will be blind and unable to see the sun for a time. Immediately mist and darkness fell upon him, and he went about seeking people to lead him by the hand. And the proconsul believed when he saw what had occurred, for he was astonished at the teaching of the Lord." Why was he astonished? Because Paul was filled with the Holy Spirit. And through that filling, he spoke with power and authority and boldness. Now, I don't necessarily recommend the first thing you to say to someone that you meet, if you know they're not a Christian, is say, you son of a devil. <laughs> Probably won't get you very far right there in the beginning. But Paul was led to say that, was led to rebuke bar Jesus because of what he had been doing. The Holy Spirit was working in and through Paul. The Spirit helped Paul to see what was going on in a way to speak and to perform with authority and the power of God. And through him, the power of God was indeed seen through his words. Because of this, others believed, but it was not Paul's doing, right? It was the Holy Spirit's doing through Paul. I think we have to remember that in our lives. A lot of times we think, oh, I have to do this, I have to say this, I have to know this, I have to be prepared for this. To remember the Holy Spirit comes upon us and gives us power and authority and gives us words to speak. And it's not us that does it. If something happens, we need to give glory to God that the Holy Spirit worked through us. And the Holy Spirit worked through Paul and others believed. 
God has a mission for us to share with others. But we go on. If I were to ask you what the definition of the gospel is, what would be your answer? Well, think about that for a moment, because this is what they asked Paul. And it's really interesting, when Paul responded to them, again, they got more than what they expected. Because Paul, in Acts 13, 16 to 39, gives this whole explanation of the gospel. And he starts out by going back all the way to the Jews in the time of their slavery in Egypt. So he says, Men of Israel and you who fear God, listen. The God of this people Israel chose our fathers and made the people great during their stay in the land of Egypt. And with uplifted arm, he led them out of it. And for about 40 years, he put up with them in the wilderness. So you see, he's giving just a, a summary of, of the Old Testament, kind of what we've been doing, right? You see, as I read this, it's like all that we've been talking about in the story. For, and led them in the wilderness. And after destroying seven nations in the land of Canaan, he gave them their land as an inheritance. Remember, in the promised land. All this took about 450 years. And after that, he gave them judges until Samuel the prophet. Then they asked for a king, and God gave them Saul, the son of Kish, a man of the tribe of Benjamin, for 40 years. And when he had removed him, he raised up David to be their king, of whom he testified and said, I have found in David, the son of Jesse, a man of my own heart, who will do my will. Of this man's offspring, God has brought to Israel a savior, Jesus, as he promised. Remember, if you look at the genealogy, Jesus is in the line of David. Pagan goes on then to talk about how many didn't recognize Jesus as the Messiah, and then they convinced Pilate to put Jesus to death. And then Paul says, But God raised him from the dead, and we are now witnesses, and bring you the good news of God's love and salvation found in Christ. And then he says, brothers, sons of the family of Abraham, and those among you who fear God. Remember, the Jews are the, are the family of Abraham, so he's bringing that all to them. To us has been sent the message of the salvation. See how he's, he's framing it all in their history, and then he's bringing it to this, that to us has been sent this message of salvation. And then he finishes in 38 and 39. Let it be known to you, therefore, brothers, that through this man forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you, and by him everyone who believes is freed from everything from which you could not be freed by the law of Moses. Now, if you were to ask me what the gospel is, you could have just simply said these two verses, right? He could have summed it all up in just 38 and 39. What is the gospel, Paul? Well, the gospel is that we have forgiveness of sins through Jesus. We couldn't get it from the law of Moses. We had to get it from Jesus. That's the gospel, right? But Paul wanted to frame it in the history of the Jews so that they would understand how Christ fit into their, their lineage, right? How Christ fit into the story of God. Remember, we were talking about how does our story fit into the story of God? It's called the story, right? God's story. How does our story fit into God's story? And Paul helped them to see that by taking them all the way back to Egypt and carrying them all the way to the present. God has a mission for you and me to share the gospel with other people. But we see next what was the gospel's impact that Paul preached. And we see this in verses 42 and 44. 
as they went out, the people begged that these things might be told them the next Sabbath. And after the meeting of the synagogue broke up, many Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, who, as they spoke with them, urged them to continue in the grace of God. The next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. Isn't that amazing? They begged them, please come back next week. We want to hear more about Jesus. We want to hear more about this gospel. We want to hear more about how Jesus has changed our life and how Jesus can change our lives. We, they begged them, and almost the whole city the next Sabbath gathered to hear the words of Paul. We read this, and it's easy to think, well, that's just a first century thing. That's, that's just a Paul thing, right? We think that because we don't understand the power of the gospel. See, Paul understood the power of the gospel. He wrote in Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. You need to ask yourself the question, am I ashamed of the gospel? Do I boldly go around telling people about the gospel? Or do I shy away from it because I'm afraid what people are going to think? I'm afraid how people are going to respond to me. Or am I boldly going out and telling people the gospel because it is so important for people to hear and to know? See, Paul saw the impact of the gospel. And as he was filled with the Spirit, he was led to preach the gospel to everyone he encountered. That was his passion. That was his Mission. When I was at my church in Long Beach, every Christmas we would go out in the neighborhood and we were carol, Christmas carol. And I remember this one year we had a really fun experience happen to us. We went to the first house and we asked if we could sing a song and they said yes. So we started singing. There's this little five-year-old girl and she was so taken by our being there and our singing that she made her way out and kind of like mingled with us, right? and sang with us, and it was really a neat little experience. And so after we were done, we thanked the mom, and we got ready to leave. Then the little girl asked her mom, can I go with them as they sing? Of course, the mom didn't want to just leave the daughter with us. She didn't even know us, right? So the mom and the daughter went together with us and sang all the way up and down the street as we sang Christmas carols. This is an example of the power of the gospel. When you speak the gospel, when you share the gospel, when you sing the gospel, people will be moved by it, and they'll be drawn to Jesus when we do it with sincerity and love and the power of the Holy Spirit behind us. And when we do this, we will affect change. There's a book called The Externally Focused Church, and they ask these questions in the book. What if ministry to others is not just a potential avenue of growth, but absolutely essential to our spiritual growth. Hmm. What if 100% of Christians were ministering in some capacity inside the church or in our communities? What if? Can we even imagine all that would change? Then it says communities would change, churches would change, and those within the church would be changed. God is in the business of changing. God has set up his churches to be an agent of change. We are called to be followers of Christ to bring change in our community. God gives you a mission to affect change. 
Well, after Paul goes on his journeys and he's preaching and people start believing, we read that, God, uh, that Paul starts to set up churches. He, he takes these believers in each city, he starts a church, he builds up leaders, he gets the church going, and then he moves on his journey, and he does it again and again and again. And then ultimately, after these churches are started, he starts to write letters back to these churches to encourage them and challenge them and teach them how they are to live for Christ. So they're struggling to live for Christ and know, how am I supposed to live? How am I supposed to uh, be church? What am I supposed to do? And Paul constantly writes these letters back to these churches to encourage them and challenge them and teach them. And one of the most profound letters that Paul wrote was to the church in Rome. We know it as the book of Romans. It's actually the first book that I ever read when I was a Christian. Now, it's probably one of the most challenging books in the New Testament, so I had to do it with the commentaries, side by side, trying to figure out what is this even saying, right? I'm a brand new Christian, and I'm reading the book of Romans. So if you read the book of Romans, you'll understand, because it's all about the law and how the law... Well, we're going to talk about that in a second, what it means. But anyway, so the book of Romans is there, and he... He writes to the Romans, and he gives them highlights about what it means to be called by the Lord. And all throughout the book of Romans, you see Paul talk about call. But first of all, let's just kind of give an overview of Romans. So Paul talks about our relationship to God in regards to his holy law, right? The law exists. We have the Old Testament. How does the law even fit anymore in the New Testament? So he talks about that. In the, in the book of Romans. He helps us to see that through Jesus Christ, the legal punishment that comes under the law is removed because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. And that new life is found in Christ because through Christ we have fellowship with God. And then he says this, God calls us to salvation. God calls us to faithfulness. God calls us to serve him. God calls us to share the gospel. God calls us to use our gifts to bless others. Do you see how it goes on and on and on? God gives us a call again and again and again. This God has sent his son, Jesus Christ, into the world to die for us and to be resurrected. God made him flesh in the line of David made him the Son of God in the flesh. And he talks about how we are called to be obedient in faith through Christ, and we can only do that because of Christ. And we are not just children of God. Paul takes it a step further and says, not only are you children, but you are saints. Maybe tomorrow morning when you wake up, you should look in the mirror and you should say, good morning, St. Chris. Good morning, St. Kelly. Good morning, St. Peter. Right? And when you say that to yourself, will you believe it? Will you believe that you are a saint? I think we are challenged to believe that, right? But we are saints in Christ. What a marvelous truth this is, that God has lifted it up to that lofty status of being saints because of the righteousness poured out to us through Christ. And then one of the other wonderful aspects about the book of Romans is uh, it really helps you to understand uh, how you become saved, and it really helps you to, to lead someone in the whole idea 
of salvation. And you might have heard of it called the Romans Road. The Romans Road. And so these are the verses for the Romans Road. It's the road from not being a believer to being a believer. You just take people through these scriptures and help them to understand. So the first scripture is Romans 3.23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We have to admit first that we are sinners. We cannot save ourselves. We don't have the power to do that. We are sinners in need of a Savior. And then it goes on, Romans 5.8. Next, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. In that place when we're sinners and we can do nothing for ourselves, we cannot even love God back, God showed his love for us by sending his Son to die for us. And then it continues, Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. And so he gives us this free gift. We don't earn it. We don't deserve it. We can't do anything for it. It is freely given to us by God because he loves us. We have, we have been given this free gift. The question is, will we receive it? Will you receive this gift that God is freely given to you? And then Romans 10.9 is in the next important verse. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. We are saved by confession and by belief. Yes, Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I confess my sin and I believe that Jesus died for my sins. I believe in you, Jesus. And through confession and belief, we are saved. And then finally, Romans 10, 13. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord... Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Salvation is for everyone who believes. These are powerful, important verses that we not only need to understand, but we need to share with others who do not know Jesus. God has a mission for us to lead people to Jesus. There's a true story of a high school football team, and they were playing this game, and they weren't playing very well, and at halftime, they were losing 30 to nothing, and you can only imagine what they were feeling as they went into the locker room. Their heads were down. They were feeling depressed. They were, had no energy, no excitement for the game anymore, and the coach walked in and immediately reprimanded them and said, I do not want you to keep your heads down. I want you to hold your heads high. I want you to go in the second half, and I want you to play with every ounce of energy you have. Play with every ounce of ability you have. Play like you believe you can win this game, and whether you win or not, I want to see your effort be 100%. And so the team went out there, and they listened to the coach, and they played with all their energy and all their effort, and you know what? They won the game. They came back and won the game. Sometimes we look at our situation, right? We sit, look at our situation around us. We look at, at our world, we look at our nation, we look at how we are, doesn't feel like we're the majority anymore, right? As Christians, we're the minority, and we try to tell people about Jesus, they just do not want to hear. We feel like we're losing 30 to nothing. We feel like the, the game is over. We feel like we're going to lose. It's inevitable. And we have our heads down, and we're so frustrated. And God comes to us and says, no, hold your head high. And you don't even have to do it on your own power. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit, and he's going to fill you. And you're going to go out there, and you're going to have, you're going to have confidence, and you're going to have authority, and you're going to have power because it comes from me to you. 
And with the Holy Spirit's help, we will be victorious. See, we see that Paul's mission was to tell people about Jesus, about the saving love of Jesus. This was his passion, and this is what he, he felt he had to do because it was his call. And God calls us to do this as well. And I pray that God would give us that desire and that God would give us that, that passion to go on the mission of telling people about Jesus. It's said today that 80% of churches in America are plateauing or declining. Is that a stunning percentage? 80% of churches are plateauing or declining. Experts say the way to counter this is to have a strong spiritual commitment to the gospel and to be active in the mission of sharing Jesus Christ. That is the response we should have. In the midst of our culture and all that's going on, what should we do? We should need to have a strong spiritual commitment and we need to have a desire to go out in the mission to share Jesus Christ in our community and beyond. Let's pray.